Hello and welcome to a very serious and important edition of the Youthscape podcast. Uh, we've slightly got the giggles here and it's not even started recording yet. Uh, I'm Martin Saunders. The, the Rachel Gardner thing is, is sort of here as well. And, um, and, and we've got a wonderful guest today. We have. Uh, Am I allowed to speak, Martin? Well, I mean, I, I think judging by what happened before, before we started recording, I don't know that that's a good idea. I basically mentioned something that was just probably over the line. Desperately uncomfortable. Desperately uncomfortable. So uh, now you have to see what it is because no, I'm not, I can't. I can't. It was a, it was a man's problem thing. Men's problems. Basically, every day when I come to work, I drive past a oh, hospital. Oh, you're going there. I'm not going to name it. I drive past a hospital and there's a big sign outside it inviting men to an information evening about a very private kind of. Check you might Check, have. have, which neither of us have got an issue with. No, no, but and, and there might be many who are. So I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not belittling that. But I just every day I'm like, really, do men sit like men don't stand next to each other in toilets? Like, are they going to like sit next to each other and talk about like like women would? Like women would sit and talk about that kind yeah. of stuff. So that the basically I just talked about that and it was just super <laughs> awkward. So there we go. Now we're oh, all on the same dear. page. We're all here together. I, Let's welcome both are literally. <laughs> Mike Palin, our guest today, and I are just physically so uncomfortable, we're folded up. I'm so sorry. We don't I'm, want to talk. No, right I'm now. so okay. sorry. But it's great to have you, Mike. You have become an almighty friend <coughs> of Youthscape um, because you, you're just somebody that throws your weight behind what God is doing. And you get alongside individual leaders, you get alongside organisations, and you're somebody that really puts fire in people's heart around what God's called them to. I'm doing a good job of pulling it back. I'm I know, like, Can you feel that? that? I'm working on it. I nearly thought the whole putting your weight behind it could be going somewhere <laughs> yeah. I was equally uncomfortable yeah, with. Yeah, but no, no, that's fine. You're such a trim guy. You finished that one. So it's great having you here. And in the interview uh, last week with Lee Kirby, one of the things that he talked about, which really challenged me was, actually, what we need to do is be loyal to the local church. Mm. And, I, and that stood out for me because I don't hear that. I don't hear myself say it. I don't hear us say it in youth ministry, but you are someone, Mike, that you demonstrate such loyalty to local church. So tell, us, tell us a little bit about where you work, who you are, and we're going to dig yeah. into that. Uh, yeah, more. so I um, work for an organisation called 267, and it was set up um, while I was a full-time youth worker in a church. And I, I went to a couple of meetings and saw a lot of volunteers in the room. And they were like, you know, like sponging every bit of input from the full-timers. And I thought, well, well, how is it that they can't access the same resources I can because they've got like proper jobs and all that other stuff? <laughs> uh, and I thought, what would it look like if I, rather than work for one church, I spent all my energies helping any church to have the same quality youth and children's work that, that I could offer? And so uh, that's where 267 came from, and that was nearly 11 years ago, and we started with six churches, and now there's about, I don't know, 45 um, that use us in some ways, and maybe of those, there's only six paid workers. Wow, so, 45 yeah. churches. So Gosh. we're getting to see sort of the, the small stuff, but it's significant, but you don't often see it because there's not someone representing that church uh, as a paid worker. You, tell us about your church as well. So yeah, so I go to, uh, a, a, I don't know how you measure churches now, your thing, small to medium. It's probably one of those small to medium churches called St. Mark's, this little Anglican church. Um, I will confess, I don't like church. 
I find church quite difficult. Wow. wow. I find the good, pace good, of church, cool. uh, I don't know if you find this with Youthscape, but I find the pace of church is too much of a gear shift from what I do in my sort of day job. What do you mean by that? What's... I, 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 I love the idea of being uh, as dynamic as I can, pushing the boundaries as much, going as big as I can, and then I come to church and I feel like everything shifts down a gear and it just takes a bit longer wow. and, it's, and it's risk averse and... And it's a, it's a beautiful community, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to backtrack here. And it's a, been a beautiful community to our family. But in terms of me, I find it, I find it uh, a, too much of a gear shift, so I struggle with church. Did you, you struggle with enjoying kind of being yeah. there and participating in yeah. services, that's what yeah. you're saying. Really. It's interesting because yeah. there are some people who just love church. Mm. They just love, they're the people who go to everything at conferences. Mm. People who just love uh, worship and yeah. because they love singing and they love... They, they have a particular learning style that means that they love the traditional sermon mm. style and they, they love that I, stuff. I am actually. I would be one of those. In that category. A um, church geek. I'm a church geek, but it, but it can't be soulless. I, I mean, I, no. will, I will love any gathering of people, don't care how good or bad the music is, if they are sticking their all into yeah. it. I'm like, I'm with you. Mm. It could be a big old hymn or a chorus. What, I, what I'm not interested in is probably what you're saying, Mike, is like, where you want to turn and say, like, why are any of us here? Like, Absolutely. What is the point of switching yeah. the meeting on for this? And the lights. Yeah. Like, this is an absolute waste. And this needs to die, actually. Yeah. And something else needs to go. Yeah. So, I'm not, so I'm not about propping up um, ritual for ritual's sake. Yeah. But I think... Yeah, and I think... I mean, do you find that that has been one of the big things as you've met with leaders? Is that if... I'm, as a leader, not inspired by the church or yeah. serving. I mean, that is yeah. just like... And that's why I think, like I said, it comes down <sighs> to the church as an organisation, probably disappoints me. Whereas individuals I meet, I am like, wow, I want to I wanna do what I can to help you in a year's time still be doing what you do. So I went to uh, a synod, which is a horrid church word. And as soon as you say the word sorry, synod, it makes us feel like we did when Rachel talked about that thing. Yeah, that yeah. was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's the same sort of feeling. Um, you say very, different, very different procedure. Yeah, no. <laughs> Similar outcomes, though, it could be, actually, yeah. Um, but I went to, uh, I was invited to a synod in, a, in, a, in Bedfordshire Diocese, uh, and it was to share about 267, and I, I thought, well, okay. But it was in one of the sort of villages, and I've got a big heart to sort of support rural youth work because, you know, they struggle because they're in the middle of nowhere. And I went to this village, I didn't know the name. It had one of those ones with, like, eight syllables, and it was on the wold or something like that. And I drove in this village, there was no lights on, no street lights, nothing. The only lights that were on were the pub and the church, and they were opposite each other. So I found my way. That was a choice, wasn't it? And it was a tough one. It was a tough one. But uh, the the church was this big old sort of classic Church of England church, big old wooden door, and I sort of clicked this door open, expecting to see you know these sort of couple of old people sort of sitting in the pew. And I walked in, and there were sixty people in there for wow. this synod, and. Admittedly, there was of the higher age mm -hmm. end, yeah. but they were there to hear how they could do youth work better in their wow. area. Right. And I just thought, well, actually, I'll get to spend an hour with them, and I got to hear about how they were doing messy church and how their youth group was just three kids, but there was leaders investing in them. And I think that sort of reminded me of why I do what I do, because we see the big stuff, the big churches, we see them and we hear about them mm. because of the way they are. But actually, there's dozens, hundreds of churches where you've got a leader who's faithfully pouring their life into a kid or a young person. Yeah. And I thought, well, I need to be behind them. Mm. So. So, you, so you do you do absolutely love the church 
if even if you struggle yeah sometimes absolutely. with church services and i think we can all relate to, we can all relate to that um but your your real passion it seems to me is for the people who are yeah. in those churches who are plugging away who aren't there for the profile and the platform yeah. but are there because they love jesus they love people absolutely. and want to make a difference yeah because i think you know for all its flaws the church is still the tool that god mm. uses um, and so we sort of actually, what are the what are God's people doing? Um, so most of my time is spent either having coffee or having breakfast with leaders and saying, actually, what are you doing? How can I spur you on? And I I sit here with no qualifications. My qualifications are my ten meter swimming badge and my cycling proficiency. I have yes! nothing. Do you need that? I can do this coaching session because I can yeah. ride a bike. I've got a certificate <laughs> on it like that. I uh, and so I've, I left school with nothing, but I sit there and think, well, God has used me Amen. for 20 yeah. plus years to do youth work. Mm. So I always take that bit of scripture where it says they were ordinary and unschooled men. Mm. And I almost want that on a t-shirt and say, yep, yeah, I'm very ordinary and very unschooled. But God has just left me in places for the last 20, 25 years where I've seen youth work in different places. I've seen kids work. Mm. Uh, I've seen it fail and been able to tweak it. And so you just get to be with people and say, actually, I just want to help you move forward mm. and having the experiences rather than just a head full of knowledge I think is how God has used what I do that is a lovely visual picture that God just leaves you in places like I've got this picture of Mike just you're just in a coffee shop today or tomorrow you're on a park bench and yeah. I, I love I love that thought that, that for some of us the calling is in the in those moments yeah. where people can actually say can I I, I just need to talk now and I mean yeah. we, we saw you I mean you you were hugely instrumental in the National Youth Ministry Weekend and that, that whole coaching thing. And we had national leaders came and got involved. And, and any lovely chocolate or sweets you guys were giving for free, you came. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was out of 267 Project Budget. You know, that, that is your heart. It's, it's just incredible. What, what are you seeing as some of the, the, the real challenges for volunteer youth workers mm. at the moment? What, so I'm, I'm a paid youth worker, but I do volunteer youth work for my church. But I still think... When I think of youth work, I still think there's a massive army, there's lots of us, mm -hmm. and I'm aware that lots of volunteer youth workers yeah. might never connect with anybody yeah. outside of their little group. So what, what are some of the issues that we need to be aware of? I think, I think, bizarrely, as three 40-somethings are we here? I'm not speaking ill well, of you Well, I, I have to say, there's, there's someone in the room who's <laughs> not yet 40. He's not entered the group yet. Oh, he's okay. not, he's not joined I, the club. I've got about two months to go. He's not, oh, okay. one, not one of sorry. us yet. Sorry. We're praying for real maturity. <laughs> so don't, don't do that again. Please, okay, Mike. sorry. Um, for the people in our late 30s in the room, yep. and uh, friends, um, I think a lot of leaders I talk to, and there is this fear of the world of young people. Uh, and so they're not afraid of young people, uh, and they, they, they literally are very genuine with them, but it's just the world they're in is just almost, and I think even me, you know, I'm bemused about language, uh, about, you know, the things they put online mm. and why they put them online, um, the conversations they have. So we've got an intern this year, Catherine, who you met, yeah. who's just brilliant. And what she's been really helpful with, because she's took on our social media, is actually she's only just turned 18, but she's almost in that world still but she's helping me see what that looks like and how it shapes our youth work because I think loads of leaders really want to serve but the world is just such a chaotic place mm. and, and how do you support a young person who's, who's in the midst mm. of that chaos and we don't quite get it and I think if we can somehow like the training you guys do and we 
conversations we have, how do you help people see, no, you've got to carry on what you're doing. Is, is If you invest in the person, actually, you can get through it. Mm. But I think there's this sort of a little bit of a barrier where they think, I just don't understand mm. the world that young people are in. Mm. Uh, it's, it's very different to, to maybe when I was growing up. Mm. You know? do, do you think um, yeah, that we, we talked about this a bit, um, we talked about it with Lee um, the other week, do, do you think the, the future for youth ministries is going to be in volunteers? Uh, you know, we've, we've seen a bit of a decline in the number of churches that are employing a paid worker. Um, there are definitely less paid youth workers mm. around. Bigger churches will employ a, a youth and children's worker, perhaps. Mm. Some churches do still employ a paid youth worker, of course. Um, but, but in future, do you think we're moving towards, if we're going to really make a dent on things, mm. um, are, are we going to need a lot more volunteers? Is actually volunteer going to become the, the main stay of youth work? I think yes is my easy answer, but I think until the churches that lead people realise their role in this, I think it doesn't matter how many volunteers you get because they've got to feel valued, they've got to, their voice has got to be heard. We've got to prioritise kids' work and youth work and give it that sort of shop window. And at the moment, you've got volunteers that they're not even known by the church leaders. They don't mm. know what they do. Mm. And so I said to a group last night that uh, I was in, in Luton in a church and I was speaking for like half an hour and either I was really dull or they had no idea what I was talking about because they sort of all glazed over. And I was well, just either like, of those are possible. Both no. are possible. Both yeah. are possible. And I could have sort of switched between the two. Um, but I think there was a whole thing of they, they faithfully were doing youth work, but maybe the leadership were completely unaware of what they do. So I almost want to have a yeah. two-pronged attack saying, yeah. yeah, we need to resource the volunteers. But actually, and we've talked about this before, yeah. that the church leadership needs to change the way they prioritise of it or mm. speak about it or even hang out with youth workers and volunteers because they need... They, Sadly, I've got power to do things and listen to things. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so what can a church, church many church leaders listening to this, obviously, um, what can church leaders practically do or be inspired to do by those listening yeah. uh, that will just raise the profile of uh, youth ministry and those volunteers in their church? What can they do? So, if I take my own example, so before I met Youthscape, I probably was slogging on on my own a bit. And so meeting you, Scrape, I found an ally who not only got me, but got yes, why I do what I do. On. So therefore, when I meet with you, you sit there and go, right, well done, keep, keep going sort of thing. And what about this? And if so, if church leaders could have that interest, even if they said to the youth leader, what, what did you do this week? Or what are you doing next week? How did it go? I think simple things like that. Yeah. It just means I've got value. And then if someone's got value in me, I put that value on myself and it changes my outlook. Because I think there is this sense that I'm a little bit down. Whereas actually if someone sort of can help lift me up, then I'm like, okay, I'm up for this now. Mm. And then you, that becomes almost biosmosis. You pass that on to everyone else mm. around you. Mm. Um, which is why a lot of the things we do at 267 is we're trying to get a critical mass together. We have 25 to breakfast because actually we all know that youth work is very isolating. Yes. For my first two years in youth work, I had dinner in Little Chef on my own. And it was nearly the tipping point because I didn't have anyone around me. Mm. And I met a guy called Matt, who was at Christchurch, Chorleywood, and Paul Daniels, who's yeah. now... Famous great magician, name. now dead. Yeah. <laughs> who's now in Northern Ireland. But they took me out for dinner every two or three weeks and just hung out with me. Oh. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I am now. Amazing. And so it's literally having people so you're not on your own. You know. Yeah. So our breakfast every month, we're not really talking about what we do. We're 
talking about each other and mm. hanging out with each other mm. because so for six days we could be stuck on a computer on our own. Mm. So yeah, so. it's so good. Just thinking as well about the um, dynamic of local churches as well. Who are the people within local church who are championing youth ministry mm. and, and why does that voice not always get through? And it's interesting, I know I often talk about our own my own church setting, but my husband is... He's a curate, but he was the youth worker there, and he is still the youth worker. Mm. Um, and he is a few years older than our vicar. So it's really interesting in our church that the person championing youth work, doing the youth work like he dressed up as Darth Vader the other night. They, locked, they turned all the lights up in the church, locked the church, had the kids in there, and, and basically Jason was just chasing them. I was like, <laughs> didn't you just say that? Is that all right? But anyway, but it's really lovely that the kind of leader in the church is championing youth ministry and discipleship and is doing the crazy stuff yeah. and is calling for volunteers and people to get involved is 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 the yeah. oldest on the team he's not yeah. the guy in charge but it's really interesting i was thinking actually if i was 19 and i feel confident because i'm 41 and all the rest of it but if i was 19 i would still be looking at a male leadership mm. going they need to give me permission to do this yeah, they need yeah. to ask me i can't lead up i can't say actually i really think mm. we need to do this so i think as more of a stay in youth ministry as leaders Martin's glaring at me now because my husband's a curate. But <laughs> and he will always champion youth work. And that's, that's the thing, isn't it? We, you go in, you take that through your years. And whether yeah. you're a church leader or a youth worker forever, actually the dynamic will shift because yeah. the senior sage voices in the room are going, no, no, yeah. this is up front and centre. Our kids work on youth yeah. work. Yeah. And do you know what else I've noticed? And this year it became really clear. So we, we do a, a residential. I love residentials. You get young people away. Oh, it's amazing. You end your day with them, you begin your day, you have meals with them. So we do a New Year's house party and we've got um, 12 leaders coming, but six of those leaders, uh, young people that were on the weekend a few Mm. years ago, and now they finish uni and they're like, well, I want to come back and leave. And I think we're we're almost, we're missing the trick that we're looking to volunteers to be someone in their late 30s. When actually I've got a guy called Dave who's just become a trustee of 267 He's 22. Oh, good. Come and on. And literally, he's, his, yeah. his first phrase at any time is, what can I do? Mm. He's that sort of guy. And it's because we've journeyed with him for a decade. It's because he's hung out with you, Mike. And yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Absolutely. If only that was true for everyone, that'd be great. I'd have more people. Um, but there is that sense you yeah. invested in them. They get what you're doing. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, actually, how many of our young people, either while they're at uni or when they come back from uni, we're saying, actually, how can you help? Uh, you know, continues because you've benefited from it yourself. You know, yeah. I wonder whether we've lost that a little. I mean, clearly you haven't, but I, I feel like in the sort of nineties, I know I talk about the nineties wow. a lot. The um, the nice that was the form. Like you, you were kind of you went through youth group, then you became a young leader mm. of some sort, and you were mentored a bit, and then you kind of came back through as a as a leader. You got into youth ministry. Most of us didn't become full-time youth workers, but yeah. most people who are in my youth group got involved in some sort of youth, youth work in their, um, in their local churches where they ended up after university. Now, that maybe that wasn't the norm, but it felt mm. to me like that was kind of the culture at the time. Yeah. And I wonder whether we've, um, we've lost a bit of that, partly through this, the seven spheres mm. stuff of, of, of saying, you know, mm. you could be called to leadership in all sorts of places, mm. in the media and politics and health and education. There's all these other places that you could serve and volunteer, which is great, but I wonder whether we've slightly lost the culture mm. of, you know, once you've, once you've kind of been in the youth group, got older, whether you've gone into the world of work or gone off to education more, um, you know, come back and then be involved as a mm. volunteer. Um, I think that's surely the most sustainable model Absolutely. for... For like keeping youth ministry yeah. staffed, isn't it? Yeah, um, and it and it does the other job of actually it, it excites those in their twenties mm. to go to church, which currently 
is another difficult thing yeah. as well. Yeah. Whereas if they've if they've got a role and they can, because most twenty somethings that I know want to change the world. Yes. And so actually, if we can give them an outlet to do that, so actually, I want you to help lead this mm. youth group. So it's the greatest youth group ever. And I want yeah. you to encourage, I want you to take these seventeen-year-old boys out for coffee mm. and turn to stop behaving like idiots. Or mm. you take your girl leaders, take the girls out and say, mm. actually, how can we journey together? Mm. Because there's early twenty-somethings. They've got normally they've not got kids. They're not married. Mm. Uh, they're much more flexible, they've got more energy. Mm. And so actually it becomes something that uh, encourages them in their faith because they've got a role in the church. Mm. And most of us like to have a role and mm. feel like we've mm. got a purpose. But then they're nearer the age of the young people. And there's, I don't know, I looked up to that mm. 20-something when Absolutely. I was a kid. Yeah. Whereas everybody else was almost like my dad yeah. or a teacher at school. So they were great, but you almost yeah. had that sort of... Yeah. through them. I, I'm going to bring a little bit of a, of a, of a curveball here. Because I, Are you? I am. Because I think the reason that happened a bit more in the past is, so I'm only going to speak from my experience now, is that church is kind of put on youth work because they wanted to give the kids something to do. So mm. I don't remember any of our youth work at my church growing up about discipleship. It was literally, let's fill up their time. Yeah. Let's just do like more wide games. And so the young adults were like, became the, the fodder, the kind of the pulse to make it happen. And also because there was nothing actually for the young adults. Like there was no mm. kind of discipleship for those. Mm. They were not really seen as anything. Like if you haven't got kids and you're married, then you're still a yeah. teenager. Whereas I think today, churches are a lot better at saying, actually, the millennials, the universe generation, first job, first whatever it is. Yeah. So I think we're probably, churches are doing a better job at discipling. But then the flip side is maybe we encourage them to be more um, receivers, not givers. Yeah, so yeah. actually, we're almost creating a, a kind of a rod for our own back because mm. we're saying actually you need heavy investment in rather than mm. actually the way to grow is you get yourself throw yourself back into the mm. generation before mm. you so, beneath you sorry. so my curveball is this oh, curveballs everywhere so many curveballs oh so I I struggled to feel like I had a certain value in the church set system until I was married Whoa. and so and, and how old were you when you got married uh, old 40 okay and so I think there is something about... You were 40 when you got married. I did not know that, Mike. Oh, I'm math is going Oh, 39, so yeah. Oh, old 39. Oh, there we go. I'm making mine for a That's really fascinating. So I did so everything tell us more, because that is really <laughs> interesting. But I think I struggled because there was this yes. sense of... I ran a summer camp for a while, and it was like the couples got put into leadership. Oh, no. Because there was something like, well, that's then a secure environment. Oh, gosh. And, I, and I thought, well, I thought, right, until I... So that's probably why I was a bit of an idiot in my mm. 20s and 30s, because I thought, well... In, to move up or to progress, I need to be I'm in a relationship. I'm not being taken seriously. I'm not being taken seriously, exactly that. Whereas I look at this guy, Dave, yeah. and there's a big guy called Jack who, who does youth work with us. I sit and think, well, I want to I want to get completely out of the way. I want to mm. say, because I want to yeah, give them all the power. Point. You know, it's yeah. that Elijah, Elijah thing. I want to go, go for it yeah. because you've got everything yes. going for you. Yes. Whereas I sense that actually there wasn't a place for me until I had some sort of... Were you not part of a sort of... <laughs> Cool 20s, 30s ministry of I've church. I've never been part of call anything, I think, is you know, safe you know, to like, say. Because that, that was the thing. I think that's changed now. But it used to be before the reawakening of, oh, we need to do something about this age group. <laughs> there was like a 20s slash 30s group. It was called something like Mingle or something like after that. After eight, as was. Church, after well, all churches have that. Okay. All churches have that. After eight. After See, eight. my point exactly. <laughs> um, and I presume you didn't drink alcohol at these things. There was just a sort of, uh, maybe you played cards. It was cards, about finding a life partner. And you were trying to find a... Yeah. That's what it was. And and, and it presumably became one, one sex dominated. 
those things often become, mm. you know, all all a bunch of guys and then one woman joins and if there runs are away. Guys, yeah. Or or the opposite. Or the opposite, yeah. Um, but that's not the case anymore. No. You looked. Yeah. I, I, you've gone off into the <laughs> distance, and I feel like we're pushing into your personal pain. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know about you. We Rach. started there. Let's well, go let's further. End there. Let's go further. <laughs> I don't. I don't recall the twenties group being a positive thing. Yeah. But but. It's interesting. It sort of isn't it? fueled my insecurities. So, maybe. so wow. you felt insecure, but you, you also felt that there wasn't a place for yeah, you at absolutely. church. So what did you do? Like, how did you get involved in church? Can we just check your consent to carry on with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. keep going with this. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, I think again, it comes back to probably why I do what I do is that because a, a youth worker put value in me. Yes. I sit there and think, but for so many years I was trying to find my place, mm. and until you find it, so I didn't. Yeah, you know, I, I was driving lorries in my 20s, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know and, until someone sort of placed that on me and said, actually, I think you'd be really good at this. Mm-hmm. But I think for all from my 20s, I was like a chaotic teenager. I was like, mm-hmm. I was trying to find everything. I thought, well, everyone's getting married, so I need a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I need to behave like this. I need to do that. I need to earn money. And then you've got your parents shouting all that stuff, and you, why are you still living at home? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my dad, when I started doing youth work, was, when are you going to get a proper job? Mm-hmm. You know, Gosh, all of those yeah, things that yeah. I think I was wrestling with. I still get that. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> I think I hit puberty about 34. Wow. Which I think we all did, didn't we? I, I yeah. feel like Extended adolescence, yeah. yeah. don't they? Yeah, it all suddenly became uh, a bit more content with who I am now. Whereas mm. for 34 years, I wasn't. Oh, Mike, you're, you are a phenomenal <laughs> human being. I just... I thought I knew Bless you really well, but I just thought that <laughs> have just gone to a whole new level. But it's, it's just phenomenal. And I think... The beautiful thing about having you as a guest on my podcast is actually you are available for people. I know that some mm. folks listen to this in Newcastle and Durham, that's, you know, maybe online. But but if people are thinking, actually, I want someone like my pain in my life, actually, this is a little bit make or break for mm. me. Can can people get in touch with you? Yeah, I travel for food. You travel for food. That is a Brunch. promise. You, you have a beautiful little son in your life, so we yeah. don't want you to be travelling too far away. Yeah, no. If you've got a little chef near you. Then Mike. They, they, they went under. I what? I know. What has happened? I know. The Olympic breakfast. I wore a black armband for a week when Little Chef arrived because the Olympic you? breakfast was part of my. Do you know that? Do you know that the Olympic breakfast, the Little Chef Olympic, Olympic breakfast, God rest its soul, um, contained more calories than yep. your recommended daily allowance Fantastic. as a man. See, so I, I want to. I, I aspire for that. Wow. But essentially, I now remember what we did as a twenties group. We went to the Little Chef because it was bottomless tea and toast down on the A21 and it was bottomless tea and toast went there after and we tried to put them out of business wow. by having as much tea, tea and toast as we could so that's that high edge edgy cool high 20s group is, yeah. tea and toast and a little chef lots of farts that's what all these cool yeah. you know London churches should be doing yeah. so basically motorway Garages, you, you will meet somebody. So if they want to get in touch with you, two, what's the website? Uh, www.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267project.com.the267
Yeah, it's brilliant. Quite a lot of my brother in laws. What is this? Yeah. Seven brides for seven brothers? Jason is one of, of six boys. Wow. And, wow. And, okay. and, and a number of them, the, the family business is truck, trucking. And a number of them. <laughs> been... I imagine Christmas around your house, it's just carnage outside. It's no one can park because there's lorries there's everywhere. There's a stove box it's, all the way It's such a skill. It's such a skill. Wow. It's amazing. I, love it. I still love driving now. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got a van now, transit. So. Anyway, I feel that people need to get on and do some work. Like, <laughs> no, we, we, we all need, want to know about the 1994 truck driver of the year. We've got young people's lives, we need to kind of get no, up and No, stop like, stopping okay, the anyway, podcast. Tell us more, tell us more. What did you have to so say? I'm sorry, we're not stopping. Do you know, the greatest thing about it was... I so, knew there was more. So, well, no, the greatest thing about it was, it was at the Mirror Test Track in Coventry. And if you've ever been to the Mirror Test Track, it's the Motor Industry Research... Okay. You basically got to drive any vehicle you want <gasps> while you were waiting wow. for your sort of go. So I got to drive a, an 18 gear Mercedes articulated lorry round the oh, banking curve. So cool! It was amazing. Oh, that is cool. Loved it. So and, and you used to and so you, you you drive a truck. You get into the finals. How many people in the final? Oh, loads. It's all over the country. Are there, so women? It's not like, Are it's there not... women in the finals? Long distance Clara from Pigeon Street. That's why I was. It was a long time ago. Well, I worked for the post office, so that's why I got in there. But there was all companies. There. Amazing. Okay. Because I like the idea. I mean, this for me feels like a, a sort of um, Will Ferrell film or something. <laughs> Truck you, you end up in the final opposite, you know, like well, Olaf the Destroyer yeah. from Hungary. So to crush your dreams. Yeah. So in the in the where I did really well in the southern England, I had my own truck. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to take my own truck to the national finals. Oh, and no. my truck didn't have a towel lift. This one had a towel lift, so it was an extra two foot on the back. No. So I mucked up all my manoeuvres. No. Because two foot is quite a lot. That's it a lot. Is. So two yeah. towel lift. So I, I failed the finals. I cried for a week. Can I just say in the movie, that's the, that's the moment <laughs> that about the three quarters music? of the way in where you've got to the final, but then yeah. the, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi character comes up yes, to you and he's he like, does. he's like, my friend, I've got terrible news for you. Um, the, uh, the, there's a tail lift on this oh, and it's going to throw everything out. There's a montage happens there because yeah. Yeah. you had bad experiences with tail lifts as a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that and then, all comes back. And then you go off and you drive in the final I have no idea what a tail against lift Olaf. Is. What is it? And you, you, you lose. The, big you thing, lose. the, the tragedy is you lose. Yeah. But, but then, 26 years later, yes. you, you find a woman, <laughs> you get married, you and life begins. Son. You take your son and he <laughs> drives the tail lift. I love that. Oh my What do we do? Goodness. What do we just do? This, this feels I'll epic. I'll tweet a picture of the trophy later on. Yes. We still got it. do. We want <laughs> yes. People want to see it. They want to hear it. But do you know, producer Rachel has never done the wrap it up. She's like, stop. Before, but she's talking. actually doing it. She's I need to mention it. that more than the 10 meter swimming badge and the cycling That's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truck driving the right, We love you. We're going to have to shut this down. <laughs> shut this down. Okay, shut stop, this down. stop speaking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this off. Uh, we have been Mike Palin, Martin Saunders and the indivisible Rachel Gardner. She's off to uh, I don't get, know, some lunch. get some lunch and maybe think about driving a truck. We're off to see the NHS. <laughs> <laughs> see you soon! The Youthscape podcast is always free. But if you'd like to support us, find us on patreon.com slash youthscape. Contained more calories than yep. your recommended daily allowance Fantastic. as a man.